Hello and welcome inside the dome. I am Donnie and this is my co-host. This is DB. How's everyone doing? We're back inside the dome talking about some more Blue Jays news. That we are. This is your weekly recap Blue Jays show uh, available on Spotify. And it's also your favorite podcast that makes more errors than the Phillies did this weekend. Uh, DB, we are recording on Sunday afternoon, so we just finished off that Philly series, and we'll get more in-depth with that later, Um, but what do you want to start off with this week? Um, A lot of news to talk about. We're going to start it off with uh, Nate Pearson about how he is going to be sent back down, where we thought, we were wrong, we thought he was going to be learning, staying on the bench, maybe pitching the odd time here and there, but I guess we were wrong, Donnie. We were, so this was part of our podcast last week, which went live on uh, on Tuesday on Spotify. Uh, we, of course, recorded on Sunday, and on Tuesday, after our podcast went live, or before our podcast went live, excuse me, uh, we got word that uh, Nate Pearson was being sent down, that uh, Anthony Kay would keep that turn in the rotation. Pearson was going down AAA. And uh, yeah, like Derek alluded last week on the show, we kind of talked about, you know, it's true he's not ready for the for the majors and, you know, um, but given their starting depth issues, it was probably a good case to just, you know, let him learn on the job, which uh, didn't happen. And we have to stick with Anthony Kay in the rotation. And he, he didn't do awful in his start. The line score looks better than the actual game did, but... uh, On paper, it looks damn good, but watching it, that was a train wreck. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go train wreck. That's a little harsh, but he he battled a lot um, throughout that start, and we'll we'll get to that later on. Um, But yeah, Pearson back down to AAA. Um, I I hadn't seen if he had actually made a start yet. Probably not. Because um, the minors don't play as often. He's probably queued uh, up to start a game uh, coming soon. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does when he gets back down to AAA and how fast he'll come back up to the majors. But uh, yeah, Pearson staying on the big league roster was a big whiff for us last week, DB. Yeah, yeah, we were definitely wrong about that. I, He's definitely not ready for the big leagues, but definitely, is he going to learn much going back down? to A-ball where he seems to be, that's where he goes, and then they're like, okay, we can bring him up now, and then he falls flat in his face, seems like every time. Do you think he will ever be a Major League starter for the Jays? Yeah, I mean, again, we have to temper expectations a little bit. This guy hasn't had a whole lot of starts, but it seems, and this isn't just a Blue Jays thing, this tends to be, um, you know, across the board, uh, all teams, where prospects struggle at the onset of um, their their big league careers and people are just ready to write them off every year or so you get the the spring training oh my gosh I can't wait till we see this guy in action he's gonna he's gonna be amazing he's gonna be an all-star he's gonna hit 40 home runs or he's gonna throw 200 innings <clears throat> with 250 strikeouts and then they struggle and all of a sudden it becomes, oh, well, can we trade this guy for a, a bag of laundry? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, eventually guys figure it out. I mean, you, Vladimir Guerrero, who didn't even put up bad numbers the last couple seasons, people were calling him a bust because 
he was brought up and he was so hyped. And I mean, part of that was he was, you know, Acuna came up um, around the same time and was great right off the bat. Juan Soto with the national, same thing. Young guy came up, hit hit the hit the ground running, and uh, and Vladdy was just kind of okay. He was a major league average hitter. He had his spurts where he looked unstoppable, but overall his body of work each season kind of was average. Like an, yeah, exactly. Looked like an average major leaguer than you know an upcoming superstar, and you know people questioned everything. Uh, about him but you have to take a step back and realize he's only 23 years old and the same thing with nate pearson he's only 24 and of course has less time in the minors than vladdy did so i mean i think he'll get there the question is whether he has enough command to control his pitches to be a, a a major league caliber starter or a good one at least yeah, I think the potential is there. Uh, it needs to definitely needs more growth. That's for sure. Just like Vladdy, he was yeah like not great but not bad last year. The last couple years, like he didn't play all of the year before, and last year was a shorter season. So, yeah. But then this year, he's really proved everyone wrong, and now uh, everybody who was doubted him are can't stop talking about him. Yeah, you nailed it on the head, DB. Eventually, guys figure it out. And with Vladdy, it only it took him, you know, uh, a couple yeah, he lost weight uh, and a couple full time season full time seasons of major league at bats to figure it out. And I mean, Nate Pearson's just had what amounts to a couple cups of coffee at this point. Yeah, he has he, he had yeah he had a couple starts last year. He got hurt. He came back, made the the great appearance in the playoffs against Tampa. Held them scoreless through two innings, but again, that's just one game. Was supposed to be a rotation arm to start the year out of spring training. Got hurt, um, came back, um, got sent to the minors. Had a great Triple A start. The Jays needed, you know, we're looking for someone to to take the ball and run with in the major leagues. They gave him a start, and uh, and he couldn't uh, he couldn't get it done. But like like we've been saying, you know, every every major leaguer tends to struggle. The ones that don't are once-in-a-lifetime kind of hitters or pitchers. Um, even, you know, Mike Trout, who we loud as uh, the best player in the major leagues, or at the very least, you know, top yep. two for for the Mookie Betts fans out there. Um, you mm, know, he's better than oh, oh, absolutely, I'm not arguing that. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you look back, Mike Trout's rookie season, which was only about 150 at-bats or so, he struggled. It was not good, and he got sent down, and he didn't come back up. And I'm sure over the off season there was whispers of from Angels fans being like, "Oh, trade Mike Trout for you know probably some like ridiculous pitcher that would be now like a Matt Moore type that was probably really good back then." Uh, and then of course Mike Trout gets the next season, gets the Rookie of the Year, couple MVPs. He worked, and uh, <laughs> and he didn't yeah. stop working, right? <laughs> who, who, yeah, who who knew that uh, he would figure it out? He put in the work, and he he made a difference. That like, hey, I'm not gonna be an afterthought. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna live up to the hype. And I think Vladdy did that yeah. with losing 45 pounds. Right, last the year, a lot of people were harping on him for being a little bit chunky. I know my dad did. I did never harp on him because I, I don't like to do that kind of thing. But uh, my dad would harp on him. He needs to lose weight. He's too fat. And I'm like. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe he's a little out of shape, but you know what? He still has got power. But you know what? Vladdy took those those criticisms, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to get into better physical shape. And you know what? He's proved it. He's hitting 
he's he's having a career year and he's gonna prove that he's he's gonna he's gonna be a franchise player and it's looking more and more still still early to decide but it's looking like he is gonna be the franchise player out of the out of those four uh, out of Guriel, Biggio, Bichette. It's looking like Vladdy's the star. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's what most people would have assumed um, coming into it because Vladdy was the the better hyped. So it was a little shocking that you know up until this year, Bichette had really been the better hitter out of out of the the four of them. Yeah. Um. So it's it's good to see Vladdy there. And I mean, in fairness to him, round is a shape. Um. And, but I mean, there's been many successful out of out of shape or a non-athletic looking baseball players you know prince fielder prince fielder pablo sandoval had some good years david wells who was you know a big pitcher cc sabathia 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 got ripped after he was no longer a pitcher (laughs) because he said basically this is how i've pitched my entire life he said i got into shape one year and everything felt off so he stayed at his, you know, his bigger weight the whole time. And then as soon as he retires, he gets jacked because it's like, yeah, I didn't want to look like that. That's just how I could pitch well. So, um, I mean, I don't, obviously fitness isn't an issue for, for Pearson. Uh, it's just going to be no. whether he yeah, can Pearson's command in good shape. <laughs> his, his pitches. Yeah. It's just whether he can command the majority of his pitches. I mean, if he's not able to get some command then it's looking more like he's probably a high leverage bullpen arm, which, I mean, itself isn't bad. Obviously, he's very hyped, and you don't want that. But, you know, we we were freaking out about, you know, Julian Merriweather earlier the season, Jordan Romano, because you do like seeing those high-octane closers that can, you know, throw 100 miles per hour with a good breaking ball. I mean, that seems to be... Basically, as long as Nate Pearson's arm doesn't fall off, that seems to be his floor. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good floor to start with. Um, but absolutely, it'd be nice if he could develop into, uh, uh, at the very least, a number two or number three starter in the, in the Blue Jays rotation. Uh, if not this year, then in future years. Yeah, for, for sure. So, uh, I mean, while we're on the, um, the topic of, uh, of prospects... Uh, DB uh, MLB pipeline uh, updated their uh, top 100 prospects this week. And uh, uh, another blue Jay made it in giving us five blue Jays in the top 100 prospects. That's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, Moan, right? Uh, yeah. Alec Manoa snuck in at number hundred. I'm looking at the list now. It looks like he's 99 now. So from the time we brought it up. Yeah. I haven't seen much of his stuff other than like some, uh, Bison's highlights they shown on like, uh, Jamie Campbell and Hazel May. And I mean, this kind of ties into the Nate Pearson con conversation as well, because you know, when Pearson struggled, that same fan base that we were talking about that says, Oh, he's a bust and you know, move on. So they're already all aboard the the Manoa train. And we talked about this last week a little bit that, you know, Manoa is behind Pearson on the on the prospect curve. Manoa was actually only drafted in 2019. So he oh, hasn't even had a wow. full minor league season. Mind you, he was drafted as a college arm. So college arms are tend to be more advanced. Um, he got in some games. I believe it was uh, with Vancouver, who was their... Um, a ball team at the time uh so he he they they aggressively promoted him to triple a and he's been hel- holding his own he's had uh two good starts for them 
So, I mean, people are clamoring for Manoa to be brought up to the major leagues. And um, it's funny because uh, Ross Atkins actually talked about him today on the press conference. And basically, you know, people were asking, is he major league ready? And GM Ross Atkins basically said, you know, we feel like he's on the right track, but he's still got stuff to work on. So even though the fan base wants to see him... Yeah, so uh, he's going to have time to develop, that's for sure. And uh, definitely don't, you don't want to rush him like what's happening with Nate Pearson because, yeah, let him time, give him time, don't bring him up, let him develop for a year or two, and then take it from there. You don't want to rush things like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do think we'll probably see him in the major leagues this year, um, but it's not going to be early on in the season. I mean, it might be, you know, end of June, beginning of July, if he's still pitching well. Um, and tied to Manoa um, potentially making the big leagues uh, might be uh, the next, uh, well, I guess it's the next uh, next highest prospect uh, on the on the prospect list, Simeon Woods Richardson, yep. uh, currently checks in at number 74 on MLB Pipeline's list. A uh, big right-hander that came over in the uh, Stroman trade. The other part with Anthony Kay. Kay. Yep. He's currently in double-A, uh, pitching well. So I, I think it's, you know, might be likely that, you know, as Manoa gets bounced up to the major leagues, maybe uh, Simeon Woods-Richardson gets bounced up as well to join uh, that triple-A rotation. Um, and we'll see what he has. He's another guy that you could absolutely see in in the big leagues this year if there is a need i mean the hope i mean right now he's probably you know eighth or ninth on the on the depth chart obviously if he keeps pitching well he's gonna do himself some favors and get moved that up that way especially if once he gets a triple a he's able to perform there but um he's another he's another guy that you know needs time to refine his control He's uh, extremely young. I believe he's only 20 years old, so even even younger than uh, than Pearson and Manoa. Um, but an, another guy that uh, could be a big uh, staple in this Blue Jays rotation. He definitely has potential. When they got him in the trade, to be honest, I didn't well, I didn't know who he was when we got him in the trade. But I, I was pretty mad about giving up Strowman for nothing. But again, you gotta have faith in those prospects that hopefully one day they will develop and they will blossom into something. Even though you're getting rid of the now, right? Yeah, it, exactly. And I mean, I wasn't happy with that Strowman trade either uh, because obviously, you know, Marcus loved loved the city of Toronto. He would have likely signed an extension. The front office just didn't want to and uh and i mean i think there was some uh, some clashes there uh between the front office and the player uh marcus stroman um but it'll be interesting because it seemed like you know last year um the uh we had offered uh, kevin gosman who ultimately went back and signed with the giants uh a pretty nice contract and it seemed like you know Maybe had we have offered Marcus Stroman that kind of contract the year before, maybe maybe we would have kept him in the fold. Um, but, I mean, the Mets weren't happy with their side of the trade, you know, prior to this year. We'll have to see what happens this year because, obviously, they weren't able to keep Stroman with the qualifying offer. But uh, prior to the season, he uh, and after he got traded there in 2019, he was not great um, after the deadline. 
and the Mets weren't a great team then. It was more so a 2020 move, and then 2020, uh, Stroman, of course, opted out of the season. And he's playing this year, and he's looked pretty solid for the most part. He has. The Mets have had their issues, um, but uh, the starting rotation hasn't been one. Obviously, Jacob deGrom is yep. is amazing, and um, Marcus Stroman and uh, other fellow former J, uh, Taiwan Walker, have been great uh, in complementary pieces. Uh, unfortunately, they just haven't had the defense and the uh, offense, uh, and they've also been bitten by the injury bug recently. So uh, hopefully things turn around on the on uh, out in Queens for the Mets. But uh, if not, uh, at the very least, thank you for Simeon Woods Richardson. The top prospect will just to close out the pitchers for the Blue Jays is actually Nate Pearson, who we've already talked about at length. So we don't really need to go too much into it he's currently in triple a he's number 10th rank so he's the highest ranking blue jays prospect uh on that list uh and then the other two guys are further away both short stops uh and actually both playing on the same team db they're both uh down in double a with the new hampshire fisher cats that's austin martin um who was their number one draft pick last season uh he was expected to go earlier in the draft he was expect you know they were talking he'd be like one one or two he fell to the blue jays at five who who scooped him up he is currently mlb pipelines number 17 draft or top prospect and uh and the other one jordan groshans is the, another shortstop playing with uh, new hampshire he was drafted in the first round of the 2018 draft so just before manoa he's another shortstop playing in uh in double a my understanding when they had assigned both those guys there is that you know they would split time at shortstop and and play elsewhere i know when martin was drafted they kind of told him you know he's gonna be playing some outfield likely because Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio and you know um they already had Groshans in the system so Martin's likely playing some outfield I'm sure since uh, versatility is a big key I'm sure Groshans is playing around the infield as well because uh, generally speaking if he can handle shortstop you should be able to handle uh, second at the very least and and probably third as well uh db what are your thoughts on these two prospects they're probably looking at not this year in the big leagues but hopefully next year a big part of the of the offense for years to come yeah i i don't know much about these guys i haven't really heard their names but uh anything that can help uh the team grow add depth and add like young young faces to the roster it's always a good sign in my books from uh from what i can tell over the over the years of having to build a team and knowing you need a mix of the young faces and the and the some of the some of the veterans are like the guys that have more some experience more than these young guys yeah yeah you absolutely nailed it uh, db uh for as much as people talk about veteran presence um you know that being important and you're absolutely right it is important um but there is also uh, a key of needing to have uh, the younger guys able to play as well um, to show some excitement and show the veterans how how the how the kids play exactly the uh, I always adjusted to, to hockey is uh, I, I'm a big hockey fan so I always uh, say like you need veteran presence you need you need young young presence as well like uh, my favorite team is the St. Louis Blues and the young they're making sure a lot of the young guys are there learning from these veterans presence because you know they're going to be the future of the team just like how the Jays are with with their prospects of pitching our other whiff last week 
uh, Albert Pujols. So yeah, we were completely wrong about this. Uh, Albert Pujols is not retiring. He's not going back to the Cardinals, which we were completely wrong. We should have seen this coming. Of course, he's going to the Money Badgers, the Money Dodgers. Pujols was already making a bunch of money, so really all the Dodgers needed to do was give him an opportunity. I do find it a little bit suspect. I mean, we won't really know until Pujols is on the team. But the the rumor the rumor was that he left the Angels. Not, the Angels didn't want to cut him. They just approached him and said, "Hey, listen, oh. we're gonna be bringing up some younger guys. You might lose some at bats." And he apparently was not happy with that. So they were like, "Okay, we'll we'll cut you. You can go try to find some at bats somewhere else." And I just don't see those everyday at bats, anyways, being available to holes in the Dodgers. Exactly what I'm what I want to wrap my head around is in what planet does he think he's gonna get more at bats or playing time than Max Muncy? Yeah, well and that's the thing. So I mean I admit it's possible that maybe Pujols had that, you know, had a change of heart once he went out and talked to other teams and talked to his agent and basically said, you know, no one's giving you everyday at bats or even part time at bats. Um so it came down to, you know, do you want a chance for a ring? The Dodgers are calling, you're gonna be a bench back you'll play maybe once a week in the field and uh and you'll be mostly relegated to pinch hit duty um but i mean the the they probably won't even let him dh right so i i that's what i had originally thought when the news broke i thought oh well the dodgers have some american league games coming up so they're gonna need a dh so that's why they were like hey we're like we can't promise you anything but we have some games coming up we'll give you all the starts at dh if you can hit then great um we'll we'll let you continue but you know, it seems that the Dodgers only have two games against the Houston Astros at the end of this month, and those are the only times they'll need a DH for the rest of the season. So if he does DH, it will be only two games. So it seems like they'll probably, and I mean, Max Muncy is a guy that they can bounce around, and there are some injuries um, on the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah, mostly bench players, but I mean, Corey Seager broke his hand yesterday. Oh, that's so he's a huge loss. at least a month. So that kind of uh, has a trickle-down effect that could possibly open some at-bats for Pujols, um, where uh, Gavin Lux, the Dodgers' second baseman, is going to move over to shortstop likely. And then the field the field is uh, Betts, Bellinger, and who's, uh, who's left? Uh, it's Betts, Bellinger. It's actually not Bellinger. Bellinger's hurt right now. So Chris. Oh, is he? So Chris Taylor is playing, uh, playing some outfield. Bellinger. The old is man, both... Taylor. Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor's not that old. I thought he, I thought he's a journeyman. No. Well, he's a journeyman, but he's not that old. Oh. He's okay. like he's like thirty-two or thirty-three. Um, eh, that's kind of. Justin old. Turner's older. <laughs> oh yeah, JT is old. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> he's been around yeah. forever. It seems like. But uh, yeah, and then they have uh, they have uh, AJ Pollock in the outfield. Um, who's oh been yes. Um, so yes, he so he him. so he's in one of the corners with uh, I think he's playing left. Betts playing right, and Chris Taylor's mostly playing. Is, is that team not the most fun team to watch in baseball though? What's I mean they're they're deep, so they're fun to watch like top to bottom. But I like watching you know the Angels because you get Trout and Otani. Yeah, I like. I like watching the Angels too, but that Dodgers team. I, I'm I'm a big yeah. Cody Bellinger is one of my favorite players, so of course I mean uh, I I love Bellinger. So the the Dodgers are also aren't sound defensively, so it'll be interesting to see if yeah. they improve with because Corey Seager is not a great fielding shortstop to begin with. So maybe yeah, Gavin he, he's Lux not bad, moving though. over there. 
He's not well. He's below average. His, his strong suit is yeah, his exactly. bat, right? He's an offensive player. Which again, I mean, obviously the Dodgers will. So is Bellinger. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's easier. It's he easier can make to, some crazy catches though. Well, Bellinger, it's easy to hide in the outfield, right? Your bad fielders. Yeah. You can't. You can't stick a. I don't bad even think he's a bad out. fielder though. No, Bellinger's not. But I'm just saying, no. ge- generally speaking, you could stick someone in the outfield and they can hold their own. More than yeah. a than a shortstop. Mookie Betts is the best well-rounded player on that team, I'd say. Oh, for yeah. An off, for an offensive standpoint, for fielding and hitting. Oh, yeah, by far. Mookie Betts is the best player on the team. Um, but, yeah, so it, it'll be interesting. Um, that could open up a possibility with Lux moving the short. Muncie has played second base in the past, so maybe he moves over to the Keystone, opening up some at-bats for Pujols. I mean, there are, there is a, there is some possibility of, of it working out. And like I said, maybe the defense gets better. Um, I just don't know how long the, cause I mean, last week on the show, when we had Ernest here, he was talking about, you know, the possibility of it going to St. Louis and St. Louis could be in the, could be in yeah. a dogfight for the division and might not want to give up at bats to Albert Pujols. The do- the Dodgers are kind of in the same boat with um, the Padres. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of divisions that are really like stranglehold right now. It looks like the Cards from right now are going to probably win that division easily, but you, it's a long season. Shit can happen. It, it's not written in exactly. stone. But right now, from what I can see, it looks like the Cardinals are the best team in that division. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the projection models were calling for the Brewers to be slightly better. Um, yeah, and I but mean they're, they're not right now. Well, I mean, but they, again, long season. Exactly. They they kind of you get to a certain point where they start backing up, and they say like, okay, the, maybe this team isn't going to be able to play this well, um, and they have to they have to make though that uh, that fix at that point. But I mean, I don't know if we're there yet. It's still early, like you said. You know, a catastrophic injury can happen. You know, Nolan Arenado gets hurt, and all of a sudden the cards. Uh, yeah. The Cards' defense and offense takes a takes a big <laughs> hit, right? Um, Donnie, remember remember when you said Arenado about the signing? Remember I asked you about the signing, and you said if he plays like he did last year, a bust. But if he can, can go back to how he was in twenty nineteen, you said great signing. Right? Yeah, and it looks like he has. Well, I, he's on a long contract, right? So this was. I mean, we talked about this last week with Pujols, where long contracts yeah. you kind of expect. You're paying for the first few years, paying for greatness, knowing that the last few won't work out. And that's basically with all contracts. The Cardinals took Arenado and basically tacked another year onto his contract um, in order to get him. But by doing that, it makes it more unlikely that uh, Arenado opts out of his deal, uh, barring an MVP-type season. Uh, It seems like he'll likely stay for the fall. I think it's... I think it's seven, seven or six years. Six years, I believe. Yeah, I think that, it is uh, that they'll have at a. It's a. It's a large amount still. Over. Yeah, I think it was one sixty-five or one seventy something. And they didn't like. Yeah, they just had the. Basically, they just had to get money, right? Because they didn't have to give up anything. Yeah, they. Well, they. Other than money. Y- well, they didn't even really give up too much for him, but it was you know when guys are on opt outs, it's that hard balancing act because. Either he has a great first year, which you want, but then he opts out and goes yeah. for more money, 
or you know he doesn't have a great year and then you are stuck because he's now declining and you're stuck with all that money so ideally you want something like what seems to be happening with Arenado where he's having a good but not elite year so that you're able to you know convince him not to opt out and then still just have several more seasons of good to elite production before the eventual tail off but it'll be interesting uh i'm sure most people are marking down their uh calendars for when the dodgers go in to visit um the cardinals i'll be i'll be watching that that'll be some that that's can't miss like that's you can't write this shit you need to watch this game absolutely i think it is I, i think it is a while from now though and it's question and it's questionable whether Pujols will still be on the roster let's hope i think with i think it comes down to whether Pujols can uh, turn himself into a Pablo Sandoval type where he's not good yeah. enough to play every day and his job is pinch basically hits. to pinch hit and give give the first baseman a breather. Once Sandoval's a looked good this year when we, we when the Jays played him like he'd come in and he was he's got he's hitting for good average yeah you no know, he's just getting pinch hit at bats I don't even know if he's DHing ever mm-hmm. maybe the odd time. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure he's DHing when they're in national, when they're in American League ballparks. He did have some DH starts against the the Blue Jays when they were in in uh, Dunedin. He looked good though. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's quite the conundrum on a National League team. So it it depends if Pujols can become yeah. that type of guy or if he's stuck in his um, I'm a starter and he doesn't get into the rhythm. Or he's stuck in this is for Mike because he said this is a missed opportunity. He's forever twelve. I am 12. It's true. Bench warmers <laughs> reference. All right. So I think we covered the big news, DB. So we covered the Pujols story. And uh, so we're going to, do you want to go into the uh, the series with the Braves since we were talking about Sandoval? Yeah, absolutely. Good transition. Good transition. I applaud you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I have some notes here. Uh, those, I, I enjoyed this series. I thought it was a really good series. I always love watching Ronald Acuna. Well, and I mean any any series that uh, that Toronto walks away with uh, with a three sweep. three out of three wins, <laughs> uh, uh, you definitely take that. Uh, so Derek, what did you or DB? What did you like seeing about the series? I, I enjoyed this series. I thought uh, the Blue Jays uh, definitely were able to show that they can score runs. Uh, they were able to get good pitching pr- for the most part. Like even like Ross the Boss was even actually good, and I did not see that coming. That's true. He w- he was a little shaky there early. He on. was. I remember watching the first bit of the game, being like, "Oh no, here we go!" <laughs> like, chan- good thing we won the first two because this is going down the crapper quick, especially opposite Charlie Morton, but. Uh, Ross uh, settled down. I think it was after the second inning, uh, and he was he was he was good the rest of the way. And uh, and we were able to get to Morton for a couple runs, and we were able to really open it up in the against the bullpen late in that game specifically. But uh, yeah, the pitching definitely held its own. Uh, and I mean, you obviously uh, Ryu went in one of those games, so you expect that from him. But uh, Robbie Ray pitched well in in the opener and uh, and Stripling, like I said. Uh, settled down after a bumpy start to uh, to get a, a good five innings out of the them and give the the team a chance to win. And any time you give this offense a chance to win, uh, I think more often than not they're going to be able to take it just because they're so high powered. Exactly. So the first game in this series was the uh, was it Robbie Ray? Yeah. 
Yeah, was the Robbie Ray yeah, start. Yeah, he was good. Ray looked really good. It was uh, six, six. Uh, he went six, five hits, three runs, uh, three earned runs, and then he had ten strikeouts, which is really, really good to see. Yeah, he he struck out a lot of players. Um, and this was kind of the typical Robbie Ray start. I mean, he uh, he hasn't been walking ever anyone, but you know, his no. historically it's been you know he would walk people, he would strike out people, and he'd give up some home runs. So by cutting down on the walk, he's still striking out people. He's still giving up the home runs. I believe uh, Acuna, 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 and yes, Ozuna, um, Ozuna hit, hit off. Yeah, up. they both hit uh, hit solo shots, but that's that's fine. You'll take that. Um, you give up the solo shot because there's no one on base because he's striking everyone else out yeah um so uh, you definitely take that every every time out from ray uh ideally you know he doesn't give up home runs either but you know he's already cut out the walk so you know i'm content with uh with his start yeah. and uh, and the bullpen was good they kind of they went well, to their they saved they saved them kind of or like the offense did but ray, the only thing i was upset about is ray didn't get the win with that with those numbers that thornton yeah. had to get the win <laughs> Well, that that's that's what happens, unfortunately. But I'm sure if you ask Ro- Robbie Ray, if uh, if what would he rather have twenty w- twenty wins, um, but his team loses the other twelve starts he makes in the season, or yeah. thirty two starts going without a win, but his team wins all thirty two, I'm sure he'd uh, he'd prefer the team wins. Pitcher wins are kind of an antiquated stat. Um, a lot of players, I mean, they they basically count in uh, in arbitration, and that's about it. Not uh, too many people, especially like the end of the year votes and stuff. It used to be, oh, you won twenty games, like you must be the best pitcher in the league. So here's your Cy Young award. Um, that they started, voters started realizing that maybe wins weren't the best uh, measure of that because you know we seen as Blue Jay fans. I remember the one year. Yeah. Uh, Ricky Romero was something like eight no, but he had a six ERA because he was just getting he was getting lit up every time. He'd give up five six runs a start, but the Ooh. offense for whatever reason could always pitch well. And flip that versus you know someone like Jacob Degrom who for New York uh, cannot uh, get any run support. Uh, uh, there was a there was a couple starts that he scored his own game winning runs as a hitter because the team wasn't giving him any. So Jacob Degrom isn't getting wins even though he is such a dominant pitcher. So it's, uh, I'm sure if you would have asked Robbie Ray after the start, he would have been like, yep, yeah, I did my job. You know, he would have probably, he would have probably been mad about the home runs personally um, to, to give up that. Uh, and it's a shame that the Jays weren't able to get to the Atlanta pitcher uh, Wilson earlier. Uh, Wilson was not supposed to start that game. He was kind of a, a late addition um, due to an injury. Hey, Wilson looked yeah, good. Yeah, he, he did. He only, he only allowed uh, two runs. The, the two-run homer from Vladi. Yeah, the two-run homer from Vladi in his last inning. So up until that, he kind of worked his way around some hits, uh, yeah. but finally got into some trouble there, finished off the inning. They went to the bullpen, and uh, the bullpen, specifically A.J. Yep. Minter, let oh, him down. Minter got hit hard. Yeah, he uh, he. I did, I didn't, don't even think he recorded an out. No, he didn't. I think he, he did came not. in, faced to face the first three batters, uh, let them all on base. Three hits, three runs. Yeah, exactly. And they ended up uh, they ended up scoring. I believe 
I believe they scored off Webb. Yes, they did. Mostly. Maybe one scored prior, but uh, yeah. Uh, Minter did not look wet, good there, and uh, he didn't nope. look good uh, the last series against Atlanta either that uh, the Jays also swept. He, I remember there was a game that he came in and basically the, blew the game open for the Blue Jays by not being able to retire anyone. So, uh, And he had been... And he had been going good, too, up until these two Blue Jays series. So I'm sure when they brought him in, they probably thought they'd be okay. But uh, after that, the uh, the Atlanta Atlanta Braves kind of went to their mop-up guys that don't really get a whole lot of work. And the Jays were able to uh, shut it down with, uh, with Chatwood and Romano. Yep, Chatwood. Oh my gosh, he's looked great lately. That man, what a signing he was. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, it was like three three million, right? I believe, but it was worth every penny. Yeah, one year three million um, for Chatwood. They had made the announcement that you know early on that he was going to be a reliever. They believed in him as a reliever. Yeah, he had basically started up until that point. There was a couple of times where he'd come out of the bullpen uh, prior to signing with Toronto. He had signed a four year contract with the Cubs. Yeah. Um, to be a starter. So there was a couple seasons there where he just was not good. And they'd bump him to the bullpen, but he was more of like a long man. Exactly what I was going to say. He's a guy who'll give you two to three innings and be solid. But in, now they kind of got him working in shorter stints. And he's, yeah, he went two, didn't he, recently? Yeah, he did two He did two innings. Yesterday, Yeah, it was in one of the Phillies Yeah, games. it was on the Phillies. We'll talk about that later. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, Donnie, just, just wrapping up this first game because we got two more of this uh, Atlanta series uh yeah the jays look good vladdy again was stellar yes um, i'm looking here hernandez three hits guerrero three hits uh Bichetta hit and simeon had two hits as well yeah the top of the order did the damage and reese mcguire had a hit <laughs> i remember that it's a little little single um but it was a hit which is more than uh, danny jansen could say which uh looks like D- danny jansen actually came in to pinch hit in the seventh and struck out that game so there you go the proof is in the pudding um um, but speaking of Danny Jansen, game two, he did not look much better and actually had had a passed ball. It didn't end up hurting. This one was kind of a pass ball, but it's hard to know because sometimes catchers get crossed up on signals. And it's one of those things where, you know, a catcher will throw down a signal and the pitcher thinks it's one thing. And, you know, so the catcher is expecting a fastball and a curveball comes. It's hard to adjust to that, even though it is a catchable pitch um, or vice versa. You're expecting a curveball, you're waiting for it to break and it doesn't break and it ends up, you know, being a fastball. Overall, the second game was a very strong start by Ryu. It was a pitching duel at one point. Yeah, Ryu and and uh, Max Freed of the of the Braves were uh, trading trading blows. Um, luckily, the uh, Freed had the walks, which worked against him getting his pitch count up, and uh, they they were able to get into that uh, Atlanta bullpen that, uh, as we spoke of, had already used a couple guys earlier in in the previous game. So they had to go to um, some, you know, some other guys. And Luke Jackson was the first guy out of the pen. And uh, and this is in the, the sixth inning, right? The, he came in the seventh inning. Free, Max Freed went six innings. And he uh, promptly gave up a, a home run to Teoscar Te- Te- Hernandez, yeah, in the seventh, which gave the Jays a lead um, that they wouldn't uh, they wouldn't relinquish. Uh, but of course, in the ninth inning, uh, Teo Teo did it again, uh, taking this time Josh Tomlin deep 
uh, in the ninth. Yep. That was a two-run shot, I believe. Yep, two-run shot, uh, which gave us our 4-1 final score. Where you got the win. Yep. Chatwood again pitched in, pitched a, an inning. Uh, two strikeouts, solid solid hold for him. Uh, and then, of course, in the ninth, it probably would have been Romano in a 2-1 game, but with the extra cushion, uh, they turned it over to A.J. Cole, who uh, who got a clean inning. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised about that. Uh, I mean, Cole pitched well last year. I was surprised that no one was willing to give him a spot early in the season yeah um but i mean it worked out it worked out for us we were able to to plug him on he's pitched well so far it's early but looking good and ryu got the win he went seven innings five hits one earned run six k's ryu looked good i'm glad he got the win because sometimes he doesn't yeah in those situations yep absolutely where, where he's pitched excellent but he doesn't uh he doesn't get the win because we got no run support but he was able to get run support later on and again the top of the order was what did the damage in this game specifically teoscar hernandez obviously accounting for three of the three of the runs batted in himself off the two home runs yes teoscar was uh like donnie said teoscar is his daddy yep yep i did i had made a comment in the in after the first home run because i was excited uh which you can find on the inside the dome instagram page i had commented that all my future children will be named teoscar hernandez regardless of gender Uh, and then he homered in the ninth. So how do you follow that up? Just just admit it. Tay Oscar's my daddy. Well, set in stone. Yeah, game two was definitely the 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 Tay Oscar Hernandez show. That's for sure. It was another really close game. Obviously, four to one doesn't look as close, but consider the fact that it was two one, and like you said, it was a pitcher's duel the whole way up through until the seventh seventh inning when the Jays when Teoscar hit the first home run, make it two one. It stayed two one until the top of the ninth when uh, they were able to finally get some insurance runs there. Absolutely good to see Teoscar come back. He's hitting the ball really well, and even in the uh, the Philly series, which we're going to get to shortly, it's really good to see him jump back. And again, Jays look solid. Like like you said, Donnie, you wish we played the Braves all year round. Exactly, and that that was no more true than on the uh, the final game, which we've already topped touched on uh, Ross Stripling's start um, which was which was great um, and uh, and Teoscar again uh, coming coming through with uh, with a couple key knocks for the team um, this I want to I want to just touch on Tim Meza briefly Tim Meza had been uh, looking looking really good uh, I think he had given up one run last week but it was just kind of like eh whatever you know he hadn't given up a run all year it was fine because he was looking he was still looking good at that point he comes in in relief of uh, Ross Striplin to get uh, you know some left-handed hitters out including Dansby Swanson who had not hit lefties at all well so it made perfect sense to bring in a lefty to face him and uh, and Dansby uh, took him deep for a two-run shot which uh, bloated Mays's uh, earned run up to to 3.38 which still respectable uh, but uh, we'll get to him more later on I just want to to begin highlighting him uh, DB what were your thoughts about this game yeah, I, I enjoyed this game. I was I've watched uh, I think I watched this whole series, but uh, yeah, Charlie Morton versus Ross the Boss. It's different to see Charlie uh, Morton in a uh, Braves jersey than uh, when he was on the Rays last year. But yeah, Ross the Boss. I'm gonna be honest. I thought he was in over his head with this one. I thought he was gonna be in trouble, which he was at one point when the bases were loaded. And then you know what he got? He kind of got out of it, which I <laughs> I was surprised. Acuna did hit him off with that leadoff solo which really hurt yeah 
But then, yeah, the Atlanta runners at first and second base, and then yep. Adrian, is it Adrianzo? A- Adrianza. Yeah, his name's really hard to pronounce. And then Freddie Freeman scored. They made it two nothing. But then the Jays, Jays didn't stop though. They they had they had runners at first and second after they got out of that. And Jonathan Davis singled. Yeah, that scored Biggio. JD coming through with the big knock. Jonathan Davis, yeah. Uh, did I ever tell you about that funny Jonathan Davis joke I made on Twitter last year? You did not. Okay, so I, I, uh, I do you know, if you're not familiar people with the band Korn, their lead singer is named Jonathan Davis. So last year I tweeted on Twitter, I said, I'd love to see Jonathan Davis hit that home run in Buffalo last night. What a huge shot. And I tagged Jonathan Davis from Korn. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, not, I heard nothing back, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other, I mean, negative thing for Atlanta, anyways, that I, that I want to highlight from oh, this game. This was not good. So, early in the game, um, Christian Pache, who had been playing center field, um, had to get pulled from the game um, due to a hamstring tightness. I believe it was his first his first at bat. He had grounded out and uh, and tweaked it. So with that, Acuna moved from right field to center, and uh, Austin or er, uh, Anza had moved to uh, Acuna's right field, and Austin Riley came in to play third base, who was getting the day off. He's their regular um, third baseman, uh, but they gave Adrianza the start. Uh, and then later on in the game, Acuna had to be pulled out it appeared he he tweaked his ankle um trying to stretch out a oh. to avoid a double play uh when stretching out his foot missed the base and it didn't look like his body was expecting to miss the base so when his foot went down further than his body expected he kind of took a weird turn and uh, and ended up kind of laying in right field, uh, tweaking his ankle, had to be helped uh, off the field um, and and left the game, which kind of made for a interest, interesting uh, bounce around for the players. So essentially what had to end up happening is the pitcher spot, who had batted just before Acuna, um, needed to move up into that spot. The pinch hitter, uh, Johan Carmargo, who had uh, just pinch hit for the pitcher, needed to stay in the game at third base, uh, moving Austin Riley to right field to take over for Acuna. So now the uh, Atlanta uh, outfield was Ozuna in left field, which Ozuna's not a strong outfielder to begin with. They had Adrianza needed to, needing to move in center field because both their center field options left in the same game. And again, he started the game at third base, so you essentially have an infielder playing center field. And then Austin Riley, who does normally play some outfield, uh, but normally it's kind of, you stick him in left field so Ozuna can DH um, when they're in uh, American League ballparks um, to keep his bat in the lineup. You hide him in left field because he can get away with some bad defense in left field, have to play right field. And uh, and that ended up helping helping the Jays with some hits later on because the... Kevin out- Biggio! Exactly. Weakening the the um, Atlanta outfield made meant that uh, some hits started started falling and the Jays were able to put up uh put up some crooked numbers there at the end after Acuña had left the game. Yeah, Kevin Biggio double to the gap to score Teo to tie the game. Top of the ninth, Bo Bachette double to the gap. They they were using that gap pretty good. Yep. Cuz they were able to score a lot of their runs there. Score two runs, Jays take the lead 6-4 and then Biggio RBI double to make it 7-4. Guriella sack fly to score Teo 8-4 Jays win. It was a beautiful sweep, especially 
after the the innocuous start that we got in that Braves final game. Like I said, I was kind of in the in the mindset of, well, at least we won the first two because the 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 last one isn't looking so good, but we pulled it off. We did, and uh, Ross didn't get the win, but uh, five innings, four hits, two earned runs, and nine Ks, which, uh, you know what, Ross was shaky in the beginning, but he was able to pull out five innings. I was going to say, well, we're going to be lucky if he gets three, but he got five, and it was Bergen ended up getting the win, which is random after Mesa and Payamps came in that he was the one who who got the win when the third man in from the pen. Yeah, well, that's what happens when uh, it becomes a slobber knocker in the late later innings one guy that gets brought in to kind of keep it close uh ends up picking up the w but like i said the win win loss record is kind of antiquated especially for relievers they really don't mean anything it's just whoever touched a ball last it lots of times it happens in the bottom of the ninth where a closer comes in blows a save pitches awfully and then the top of the 10th his team will take the the lead and he ends up getting the win even though he lost the win the previous inning yeah yeah exactly good series Jays sweep the Braves. Uh, That was fun. Good to see eight runs scored and uh, that they didn't let the Braves come back into it after they blew the score open. So, yep, moving on to the series that we watched today. There was a weekend series of the Jays and the Phillies. They went toe-to-toe. In, uh, in Dunedin, but you know what? It seems like there's more Phillies fans there because their spring training isn't too far away, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And I had touched on this last week. You know, as much as we say it's a home game, it's not really a home game, especially no. for the Phillies. Um, the obviously, huge Phillies contingent coming up from Clearwater. Um, and I think we'll see that the rest of this um, homestand is the final Dunedin homestand. This Philly series kicked it off. Um, and then uh, the games next week, which is a Tuesday through Thursday, three-game set versus Boston. The Red Sox, just very popular team, have fans all over the place, even if their spring training isn't uh, isn't very close to Dunedin. They have fans everywhere, so people in Florida that are Boston Red Sox fans would never have the opportunity to see a major league game in their own state. Uh, unless they live close to the Tampa area, uh, are able to go to the much smaller Dunedin and go see a game. And then, of course, the next uh, will be a four-game set against Tampa Bay Friday through Monday. So, obviously, Dunedin is in the Tampa area. So, Tampa Bay is going to have a large contingent of their fans available. So, again, it's just not going to be a a home team atmosphere for the Blue Jays. So, I'm sure the uh, the Blue Jays are probably looking forward to getting uh, getting back to Buffalo, where they'll actually have more of their fans than uh, other teams' fans, except maybe when the Yankees come through. Yeah, there'll be some there'll be some Yankees fans there. But you know what? It's 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 sad though that we can't go to Buffalo to watch a game because I'd love to. It's closer to us than <laughs> than than Toronto, but it's uh, it's sad we can't go there to to watch our team. It feels like forever since I've been doing a Jays game. I'm glad I went to two uh, in 2019, so... For sure, and I mean, hopefully we'll we'll have the opportunity sooner rather than later, whether that's uh, the Blue Jays coming back to Toronto for the fall um, last, you know, month or so of the season, or whether it's, uh, you know, potential playoff. I'm it next year. Uh, that's, that's the most realistic scenario, but it would be nice. Um, speaking of the, the Dunedin home field advantage, though, I did hear when Bryce Harper was up up to bat today, someone was chanting overrated. So there there was at least one. Really? I didn't hear that. There was at least one very vocal um, Blue Jays 
supporter there, uh, given Bryce Harper the business. Hey, that's good. Uh, so you, uh, yeah, you you got to see Bryce Harper live, right? Was that was that fun? I did. So I was able to go down to Philadelphia in 2019. That was actually the last major league game I went to. It was. Uh, oh, was it? Yeah, I believe it was the Mets uh, were playing in Philadelphia, uh, and uh, and Bryce Harper actually won the game. I believe in the in the ninth inning he hit a he hit a home run to take the lead. The Phillies did add on some uh, extra runs, uh, but yeah, it, was, it had been a pitching duel up to that point. Aaron Nola was starting for the Phillies. Aaron Nola. Yeah, I don't really remember who was pitching for the Mets. I just remember Nola because my wife's. My, my now wife, she was just my fiance at that time, um, saying how cute he was when they showed his picture on the yeah. on the Jumbotron. Um, but yeah, uh, the, so the Phillies made a late comeback. Uh, Bryce Harper uh, looked, looked good. Um, much better than, uh, than he looked when he got the fastball to the face. Yeah. Last week... And uh, and actually, the, in this first game against Philadelphia, Trent Thornton uh, pitched against Bryce Harper. And uh, Trent Thornton, in when in 2019, uh, at when uh, Harper had signed with uh, Philly uh, in spring training, actually clunked him in the head. Oh, uh, accidentally, of course. Um, but I remember there was a video going around on Twitter of uh, of some fan giving um, a Javi Guerrera the uh, he was a, a Blue Jays farmhand at that time giving him the business about too bad poor poor trent thornton he looks like butters from south park yeah well i mean they didn't even know trent thornton and if you realize that javi guerrera looks nothing like him because he's hispanic um but yeah it was like it was just some random phillies fan being like thornton why'd you hit him and he's like i'm i'm not <laughs> thornton bro i i, I think Thor- trent thornton was probably in hiding that day yeah uh, after after hitting bryce harper the 300 million dollar man oh yeah a lot of money there. So game one of the Phillies series, um, yeah, Phillies really. They game one was when the uh, Jays lost, right? Five one. Uh, yeah, that was the loss. And I mean, when we were going into this DB, we were talking like, you know, game two, Nola's on the hill, K's pitching. We're probably not going to win that one. So we figured if we were going to win the series, you know, we'd have to win game one and three. Yeah. Um, so losing game one was very uh, deflating for me personally, especially how they lost um, with it being a, a pitcher's duel between Mats and, and Velasquez um, the whole way through. Um, both kind of throwing the same kind of game a lot of a lot of pitches running the pitch count up yeah Matt's didn't look bad at all actually in that game he, he was not he was not bad he was he went uh, he went five innings four hits uh, he, uh, nine strikeouts which isn't awful but uh, again he had no run support and the Phillies just seemed like they were hitting everything in that game that is for sure yeah Velasquez was uh was pitching just as well, unfortunately. Um, he pitched uh, five and two-thirds of an inning, only gave up uh, one run, which was um, the home run by Guerrero in the sixth inning to finally give, yeah. give put a run on the board for, for one of the teams. Uh, unfortunately, it wouldn't stick very long. Um, Trent Thornton pitched a good sixth inning, but then in the seventh inning, the, the wheels kind of came off for him. Um, he I believe he walked two batters, and then they brought in uh, Timmy Meza, who we talked about earlier, and uh, Tim Meza did uh, did no better. Oh no, he did not. One hit, three runs. <laughs> yikes! Three run homer. Yikes! 
Not good. Not good, Mesa. And then my boy, my boy Cole Beasley's brother came in. Yeah, Jer- uh, Jeremy Beasley came in. At that point, the game was out of reach, but uh, Tim Mesa didn't record an out. Walked two, gave up a hit. So three runs total given up by him. Two runs, two two runs on Thornton's ledger. Um, so Mesa's ERA became 5.91 after sitting at 3.23 the previous game. So at this point, it was officially you know, time to worry about uh, Tim Meza, uh, especially since Ryan Barucki, before this game, officially went to the I.O. Yeah. Apparently, I believe it was the Wednesday game at Atlanta, the middle game, he was warming up to come in, and he, he never ended up coming into the game, which people thought was weird, but... Um, and then in Thursday's game, they kind of, it was kind of the same situation. They were like, oh, we could see Barucki here, and he never came, he never even started warming up, so we, we found out officially before Friday's game that Barucki was going to the I.L., um, and they waited until the, after that game to make, um, the call up for, uh, Aljair, um, who's going to yeah. be the long man out of the bullpen for now, um, uh, official um so that happened before saturday's game um which was the arenola game which we we were happy about um we kind of touched on anthony k earlier the line score looks good you read the line score four innings pitched one hit two walks six strikeouts you'll take that you'll take that by your number five starter um they k is still on a pitch count i believe he was at 79 or 80 pitches when they finally pulled him so it seems like they're he's still around that 80 pitch mark he's not as built up as the other starters who they've started to let go up to a hundred um and uh basically yeah it looks good but if you watch the game you know k struggled throwing strikes the reason why he got up to 80 pitches was a lot of full counts were going which gave runners uh runners a start off the base luckily his uh his defense was very strong yeah they got some uh they got some double plays um they were able to leave get some big outs with runners in scoring position um which was really the downfall for the Phillies in this game uh because they had runners on base um they just couldn't they just couldn't score them they went over six um with runners in scoring position and they had uh, 11 total uh base runners left on base the jays not much better but only left seven men on base and uh and went two for ten with runners in scoring position yeah bergen get bergen got the win yeah travis bergen got the win um he when uh when a starter doesn't pitch a full five innings um they give it to whoever um who, whoever the score the score decides was the was the most important pitcher uh bergen came in release of k pitched that fifth inning only gave up a hit and struck out one um so they they credited decide to credit him with the win and then he was followed by uh cole and chatwood out of the bullpen both went over an inning uh cole went one and two thirds before chatwood came in got the last out of the uh seventh inning as well as the eighth and all of the eighth inning before turning it over to romano to shut the door um but the jay's offense was able to bounce uh jump on arenola early um partially due partially due to some bad defense (laughs) they were but no no looked good though like he went six six two nine hit nine hits was a little rough but uh but again he only gave up one home homer and uh it was three nothing for the longest time 
Yeah, the the Jays kind of. I mean, Guerrero's homer in the first was obviously a solid hit. Yeah. Um, that uh, that wasn't coming back. He went uh, he went opposite field, uh, which was the second day in a row with a home run because he homered in the opener as well, uh, going the opposite field. Uh, but that was really the only the only hit that was really strong. Guriel did have a double uh, later on in the game uh, against him, but it was just kind of you know a soft hit past the past the third baseman uh into the corner that allowed it everything else was just little bloops and sometimes that's all you need um but nola was able to minimize the damage uh only gave up the the three runs the two in the second uh, rbis from guriel and mcguire biggio had two hits yeah, and of course the homer uh, from guerrero um yeah so this was one where the jays just had a lot of seeing eye hits and it worked in their favor and who i didn't think they would have shut out the phillies but with this game with k starting but i hey i'll I'll take it it was a it was definitely a good team effort here to to get the w and uh it was a big win for the squad i think even with how injured they are right now it was definitely big for them for having guys that haven't really been too vocal and too like impactful in the lineup to finally start getting their feet from under them like guriel like biggio they're starting to get hits they're starting to come to together which they kind of have to right now with the injuries but once the lineup starts getting a little bit more balanced when Springer's back I think they won't maybe have to rely on them too much but right now it's good that they can have uh, depth scoring with those guys with uh, well they haven't been pulling their weight fully but it's good to see them come around yeah absolutely you're you're 100 right Derek uh Lourdes and Biggio both kind of turned it around this week i mean we had seen uh flashes of uh of lords uh earlier in the week you know he'd be hitting balls hard sometimes they'd be you know line drive right at someone though or it would be a hard hit ball that because they were shifting on him up the middle they'd be able to get it out which normally that would be a single um so he finally was able to get some some of that luck started falling in his favor for some hits and uh and biggio's been a guy that uh he'll still get on base even if he's not hitting for you know a high average he's taken his walks but in this series um in this middle game specifically he was uh he was jumping on a lot of first pitches he you know i think two 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 of his first three at bat he got uh, he got hits uh, on first pitch fastballs. He just was waiting for that first pitch fastball, and he and he saw it and hit it, and uh, he was left standing on base for it. So it will be interesting that uh, you know he's not in the leadoff spot anymore. In the leadoff spot, you generally want to give your your team a chance to see the guy that that's throwing, get, let them see a couple pitches. Um, so you're not really necessarily going to do that in the leadoff spot too often. But now that they have him hitting lower in the order, uh, right rightfully or wrong he has the option to say okay these guys are throwing me a lot of breaking balls but they always want to get ahead of me with a fastball especially with no one on base so i'm just gonna start swinging at those fastballs yeah Kevin has trouble with the high fastball we all know and Lourdes will chase anything outside the strike zone. Both are both are starting to look good in this series. So, like you said, Donnie, six and seven is where I like to see Guriel and Biggio for sure. Yeah, exactly. That that's kind of where you'd expect those guys. Uh, it's hard with the you know the Springer injury and with with Rowdy uh, in there because you have to kind of bump those guys down. I mean, Telez had was hitting six today. Yeah. Um, which is rough. But I mean, Biggio got the day off. Yeah. 
presumably if uh, if Biggio was in there, he'd probably be batting sixth, Guriel seventh, Rowdy eighth to break up the left-handers a little bit. I was going to say that, Tia. What do you think the lineup will be once Springer is back? Um, I think it will just be Springer in the top spot. And, si- and everyone shifts? No, everyone won't shift. Simeon will probably drop down to the... F- to the fifth fifth or sixth spot um grichik has cooled off considerably he'll go down to the sixth yeah so i can i i think it will be like we seen earlier this year when cavin was leading off where it's bichette second guerrero third hernandez fourth um fifth would be simeon simeon six yeah and then six grichik and then depending depending who you got on yeah it depends if it's left-handed or right-handed um if you have a right-handed pitcher and you're you got biggio and Telez in there. Yeah. Then you probably separate them out a little bit. Um, maybe you even do Telez six and Grichik seventh, Guriel eighth, Cavan nine. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how it all how it all shakes out once we're healthy. But uh, as we seen uh, in this game, we might not actually uh, be healthy as uh, Telez left the game. Yeah. Not you know not a huge loss. Telez. It's not a big loss. Telez isn't. Yeah. Telez isn't hitting well, but. He's a left-handed bat. Without him, um, they basically only have Biggio as the only other left hand, pure left-handed bat. Uh, and then you don't really have anyone anymore to go down to with Palacios being hurt. So there's no big offensive threat um, that you can call up to take that spot. Hopefully he can avoid the IL, and if not, then hopefully Panic is ready to come back. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to have Panic. I think Panic take he nudges out to Les. Yeah, so it it it'll be interesting, and we'll touch on that more once we hit the walking wounded. But how about we just wrap up this game with yeah with our thoughts here, uh, because this this looked like a laugher. <laughs> yeah, I thought this game. I told you seven nothing, eight nothing. I'm like this game's over. I'm not even gonna watch it. And I switched it to hockey for for a good chunk, and then you're like, oh, it's eight three. Oh, it's eight four. I'm like, oh crud. I'm like, what what the heck, guys? I guess you can give up a few runs, but really, this game should have been over with. But then it ends. 10 to 8. I'm like, how? It should have never been this high of a score. This game was a wash, and you let them come back in. And that's where I point the finger at this J squad that you can't be doing shit like that. It's fucking embarrassing. Well, really, this comes down to. I mean, so Robbie Ray started this game, and as we alluded to earlier, um, you know, he gives up home runs. And that's basically what happened to him. He gave up, he gave up home runs uh, to the number nine hitter and the number number one hitter uh in the i believe that was the fifth inning uh and it sucked at that time but they were able to come back out ray pitched the rest of the fifth inning he came back out for the sixth inning uh up until the number nine hitter came up again and he allowed another home run to him yep three homers he gave up yep so that hurt the only other run he allowed should have really been an unearned run it was a fly ball to center fi- center right field uh lazy fly ball Grichik was out in center he did not see the ball at all nope it landed very far away from him uh i believe it was gene segura hit it uh so he ended gene segura ended up standing at uh, third base uh due to basically Grichik not seeing what should have been an out and um thankfully the uh phillies uh defense was atrocious to make the Blue Jays atrocious defense look better by comparison uh, because that's 
uh, was a big chunk. I mean, Chase Anderson did not pitch well, don't get me wrong, but a good chunk of those runs could have been avoided. Um, and it actually could have been worse because those first two innings, um, the Jays grounded or hit into some bad double plays, um, including in the second inning, they already had five runners in and uh, and it was a lazy fly ball. Grichik forgot how many outs there were and was running from second hard by the time the ball was caught. He couldn't get back to second base in time. So, th- so there... <laughs> no, Gr- Grichik showed his true colors in the field today. He was yeah, not Yeah, at the end of the day, they were able to hang on. No thanks to Tim Meza. Again, he get- came in. They they brought him in. Ray, Ray oh. gave up his four runs. They were still in good shape. It was still eight. It was still eight to four. Yeah. Um. At that point, Joel Pyamps came in. He was good. Yep. He got the last out for Ray in the sixth inning and pitched a clean seventh. He was good. Yeah, in the eighth with an 8-4 lead, they said, oh, we got some lefties coming Timmy up. Timmy Mesa. Yep, let's let uh, oh. let's let Timmy Timmy Mesa come in oh, and work through his shit. struggles. And, he uh, was god-awful. Yeah, he gave up three hits and two runs. Luckily, Jordan Romano was able to come in and uh, and strike out, uh, I believe it was McCutcheon, with, uh, with a 101-mile-per-hour fastball at the knees. He can, he can it rip It was em. disgusting. Yeah, it's nasty. Um, I believe I actually seen that that was his uh, his hardest run ball of the uh, a pitch of his career. Really, uh, I believe it clocked in at one hundred point seven. His previous high was one hundred point one. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that was his new record. Um, unfortunately, some scary uh, some scary news after the fact was that in he came back out for the ninth inning. Uh, didn't finish the ninth. Charlie Montoyo came out at one point because he had walked uh, the leadoff batter and fell behind the next guy. Uh, and uh, yeah, ev- eventually, uh, I believe he, he was exhausted. He reached um, on uh, on an error and yeah, Vladdy, right? Yeah, and uh, he ended up just he ended up leaving after after recording another out. Uh, and uh, and Beasley came in to close off the game. We kind of worried the worst because Charlie had already come out and talked to him, and uh, and we were we were concerned that there was an injury that let him stay in. But then all of a sudden they pulled him um, after he got a near double play ball. So uh, Beasley came in, gave up a couple hits. Uh, allowed uh, Romano's run to score, um, but was ultimately able to strike out Bryce Harper with uh, with the tying run on base. Thank God. Yeah. So it was it was a sweater. It was very anxious at the at the end. Cole Beasley came in and was throwing heat. Sure, <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> hey, I love me some Cole Beasley. Uh, so yeah, so the bats the bats were good today though. They're they're hitting lots. Simeon had a three hit day. Bichette had a two hit day. Guerrero had a three hit day. Had a homer. Uh, yeah, Guerrero homered in each game of the Phillies yep. series. Actually, Teoscar had one hit. It seemed like everybody was hitting. Telez even had a freaking hit. Yeah. Telez Telez had a hit. Um, the Danny Jansen had two Gurriel. hits. Es- Espinal. Yep. Espinal had his first. He's got three hundred. Yep. Had a triple. He hasn't played much. Yeah, he hasn't played much. But yeah, well, I mean, small sample size. <laughs> small sample size, and you can also argue that uh, that Espinal yeah. had the most chances to score runs and uh, and didn't. 
Um, yeah, but uh, but he did have a, a stolen base later on in the game when uh, when he reached on a fielder's choice. I mean, he he does the little things and he's solid defensively. No, I don't think the defense in general because the Phillies were utter trash. Yeah, the the Phillies just made the Jays look better by comparison. But had this Jays had the Jays have played this kind of defense against Atlanta, uh, that would have been a different series altogether. And I mean, we. We talked about Atlanta's outfield in that in the final game when they had to basically pull their only two center field up. Um, so that was rough, but at least you understood that S- some of these things just you know made no sense what why they were happening, uh, especially on the Philly side of things. And what about their starting pitching, Donnie? What about Chase Anderson? Yikes! Oof. Well, like I said, Chase Anderson wasn't <laughs> great, but his defense certainly he was a did. former Jay, right? Yeah, he pitched for the Jays last year, but uh, yeah, he yeah. he certainly didn't do him his team any any favor. None uh, there, but uh, David Hale was solid, um, which I didn't expect. I thought maybe the Jays have a lot of experience with David Hale. He was uh, he was up and down with the Yankees for like the last three or four years, so. The Jays have seen a lot of him. I expected more, but I think they kind of just took it easy because they were like, eh, we got an 8 nothing lead. We're good. Uh, until, you know, the wheels... The bullpen. Yeah, until the wheels fell off. Uh, and then they were like, oh, right, we should probably still be trying. Yeah. Uh, and they were able to scratch out that unearned run against uh, Suarez before uh, Vladi took uh, Kinsler deep in the eighth inning um, to make it a four-run we need, game We again. needed that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was an ugly win, but I'll, I'll take it. Two two back-to-back series wins, which is huge. His team is five wins over five hundred, which is fucking yeah, huge. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about last week how uh, how the Jays, you know, although that their their pitching has been good, but uh, they did only you know gave up four runs in, in at least four runs in each game. This week we had a shutout uh, yesterday, which was essentially a bullpen day because K only went four innings, so it was so it was K plus friends pitched a shutout, and then of course uh, the the middle game against the the Atlanta Braves when when Ryu pitched. Uh, only gave up one run and then even the uh the first game against atlanta where uh ray gave up the three runs and nothing more so we had a couple games where we they were able to keep the uh other team off the board um which again four runs is not a big deal i think if your pitching staff is giving up four runs each game you should be winning more often than you're losing but it's still nice to see some some you know shutouts and some one run or two run or three run games um, just to give you that extra confidence that the, that the batters don't have to feel like they're doing everything, which is kind of how I felt last. I felt like if the offense wasn't going to score five, six runs, um, we were screwed. Um, so it was nice this week that even though the offense did do well, you know, we had the 8-4 win against Atlanta, of course, the 10-8 yeah. today, um, you know, you can still win uh, in, in multiple different ways. Exactly, exactly. It was it was good to see them pull out the win. It was yes, it was ugly, but you know what? This team has been hitting, and you know what? I, you love to see it. You love to see them be successful at the bats where they were struggling here a few last month with getting runs. But it's good. Uh, we just need more consistent pitching. That's where, where I find where the, sometimes the bullpen is absolutely stunning and on fire, and then there's other times where they give you a load of shit and be like, "Yeah, work yourself out of this, guys. We don't know what we're doing." Uh, to be fair. It's not really a load of shit. It's just Tim Meza, as, as we've outlined. Okay. He's not good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tr- Trent Thornton gave up the two runs. Beasley wasn't great today, but he was only tasked with getting one out, so he was able to get that one out. Um, and he wasn't great before. But Beasley is really the last guy on the roster at this point. 
Um, we'll get to, you know, the injury report shortly. Um, but it's likely that as soon as a reliever's ready, he's likely the guy going back down. Oh, Mays is gone. Yeah, he only came back up uh, when Pearson was optioned uh, earlier this week. Like we said on Tuesday, uh, Beasley was the corresponding move for that. Um, the only other transaction to happen this week, other than Baraki to the IL, which we almost made it a week, DB. We almost made it a week without a, a reliever Uh-oh. to the injured list. I know. Obviously, depending on what happens with Romano, uh, I can I can tell you that Charlie said, you know, he's fine. But we've heard Charlie say that Springer was fine before going on the IL. Yeah, you don't know what, what he's saying. Exactly. We've heard him say lots of players are fine before going to the IL. So I guess we'll see come Tuesday. He does have a, a day to rest. Um, and uh, it's looking like Rowdy is likely uh, likely heading to the IL they're going to reassess him later, yeah. but uh, yeah. yeah, he seems to have a hamstring strain, um, which, you know, is... He slipped on first base. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, if it's a low-grade hamstring strain, it's still a couple weeks uh, without running, so uh, he's likely heading to the IL. We'll just have to hope that, uh, you know, they have they have someone available to uh, come up and take that. Uh, it's a shame Albert Pujols already signed. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have <laughs> took Pujols if we got him cheap. Well, I mean, uh, when someone gets released, they're generally cheap because no one's paying him thirty yeah. million. So whatever the new team pays him, uh, they have to take off of what the Angels are paying him. So no one's paying him what he's making with the Angels. So he's basically making the minimum. Uh, but yeah, we'll 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 see what happens. So uh, before we go to the Ring of Honor of our. J of the week we pick. Um, Ring of right, Excellence. Sorry, Ring of Honor is on my brain. I don't know why. Stop watching wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. <laughs> uh, so we're going to run through the uh, Walking and Wounded really quickly. We, we, yep. got an up, we got an update on Thomas Thomas Hatch today. Donnie, do you want to go in depth a little bit briefly? Yeah, so Thomas Hatch um, threw two to three sim innings on Thursday. I believe today we found out it was officially three innings um, in a simulated game. Um, at the alternate site, it seems that he's heading, likely heading to AAA Buffalo by the end of next week. Um, so I'm not sure if they're going to have him throw a bullpen first and see how he feels early next week before doing that. But it sounds like he might be ready to come off the IL when he's eligible, which would be at the end of this month. It just depends, you know, if Anthony K is still pitching well in the rotation, maybe they don't need him. But still, it'll be nice to have that starting depth down at uh triple a if we need it yeah thomas hatch i haven't seen much of him lately but he was definitely great last year so uh one of our good pen arms so we'll be happy to get him back so baby steps but you know what it's all a work in progress and hopefully we'll have him back on the squad soon also going to julian merriweather he's he's gonna be out for a bit now more oblique strain uh so I know uh, I don't know if there's any big update on him, but I know that it's not really going too quickly. Just that he's playing long toss. Um, so I mean, he is throwing a baseball, but obviously long toss is not anywhere near. Um, but I mean, we kind of knew that he was going to be um, out for a while when they put him on the 60-day DL um, earlier this month. So he's basically, or uh, yeah, he's not. So he's basically not eligible to come back for a while, anyways. Um, but it will be nice when. Uh, when we're finally able to see Julian Merriweather come out of the pen again. Uh, just, uh, we're going to do rapid fire here. Patrick Murphy, he's uh, through 18 pitch bullpen session Tuesday, so that's good. Uh, Kirk still got the flexor strain. He's hitting off the tee and throwing, not running, but uh, 
Yeah, which for him, that's going to be the, the major issue with, with a flexor strain. The running is going to be the issue for him, um, but it's good to see that he's at least able to keep his arm and his uh, while he works back from this injury. Yep, and then we talked. We touched on Joe Panic. He's taking BP. Um, Dolis calf strain. He threw a bullpen on Friday. Barucky, we talked about his fl- uh, flexor strain. And then Springer, same with uh, same with the quad. He's taking batting practice. Started running drills, so that's perfect. He looks like he should be back probably after next week. And uh, yeah, Anthony Castro for uh, the forearm strain, throwing in the bullpen, but uh, still has tightness. So we'll have to keep it uh, probably day to day with a f- couple of them. Yeah, it seems with Castro specifically, it's it's a concern um, with that strain. Um, you know, I, I I said earlier, I said last week that forearms and elbows are usually an issue. Um, they told us that, you know, it was just a forearm strain that it'd be fine, um, which generally a strain's okay, but the longer it lasts, it makes me wonder if it's going to be a major issue. I wouldn't be surprised if we get an update within the next week that uh, Castro's going for more tests because it's just not healing. Um, the way they expected. Yeah, tough, tough situation there. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, the the hope is with Rafael Dolis that um, with his uh, with his bullpen session on Friday, and he threw, um, I believe he threw a simulated inning today. Okay. That he'll be able to, uh, as long as there's no issues, come Tuesday they might be able to activate him. Uh, so he might be back. And Joe Panic. this is actually the 10th day um, that he's on the I, uh, IL as well. So he'd be able to be activated starting Tuesday. So that's why I kind of toyed with if Rowdy goes to the IL, we might see Panic back. They both had the same injury. Dolis was a couple days earlier, but as a pitcher, a calf strain is more of an issue. Uh, and then Joe Panic, who's likely going to be seeing some um, DH at-bats, if anything, uh, in the early going. Uh, probably not going to be running a whole lot on that calf. So hopefully he'll be okay. Um, and then, like I said, we'll just have to wait to see about Telez. And then the other only new injury is Ryan Barucki with that uh, forearm flexor strain. Again, forearm strains usually aren't as big of a deal. But as we've seen with Anthony Castro, you know, sometimes a strain isn't a strain. But we need Ryan Barucki back because uh, Tim Mays is not cutting it as the first lefty out of the pen. Absolutely not. He is definitely not, Donnie. You are you're right there. But there is some help on the horizon. The Blue Jays did agree with um, Carl Edwards Jr. Um, to a minor league deal uh, on the 14th. He has been assigned to Buffalo, so he will be with Buffalo um, for the time being. We did see him in the um, Atlanta series, uh, not this past Atlanta series, the one before. He came up and got a got got a couple innings. The Jays got a couple runs off him. Uh, but he was a solid reliever in his uh, the early part of his career with the Cubs. Was a big part of the Cubs bullpen that won the World Series. Uh, so, I mean, it's worth a gamble to see if he's got anything left. If not, then, you know, no harm, no foul. He's just in Buffalo. Uh, and and maybe, maybe the idea is that he replaces Cole as the veteran on the taxi squad that travels around with the team uh, in the majors, but doesn't isn't officially on the roster. So maybe that could be a role they're eyeing for him as well. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, f- for sure. I don't think it's a bad option having him around. 
You can teach the young kids. You can give that veteran uh, leadership a bit and give them a shot. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, like you said, Donnie. So I don't think it's a bad move. Yeah, especially having him down in Buffalo for now. He can talk to the young guys about struggling, which he has done, and what you need to do to be able to work your way through it. Because uh, he has struggled in the past and he rebounded a bit. He's struggling again, unfortunately. Um, so I wonder what kind of advice he could bring to a Nate Pearson that we talked about earlier that, you know, struggled a little bit in the major leagues to say, hey, listen, you know, you'll figure this out. Um, but yeah, I guess that brings us to our uh, to our Ring of Excellence DB. Yes, this week's yes, Ring of Excellence. I guess before we should do that, we should update. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Randall Gritchick yep. uh, won, our po- won our polls last so, week. So yeah, Twitter. Um, he beat my... He beat my outside-the-box uh, Tyler Chatwood pick. Uh, your Chatwood pick had a couple votes, though. I saw on Instagram, I think there was, like, about six votes, and on Twitter there's about eight votes, I think. Yeah, so, it, I mean, it wasn't. I wasn't expecting, you know, it was just kind of like, well, DB picked the obvious pick, so if I'm going to go weird, I might as well go, like, super weird. <laughs> but Chat, Chatwood's been a stud this week, so maybe he just, that just yeah. allowed, he just wanted to keep going, keep the tank going, and was like, listen, I'll show these people that vote for Randall Gritchick instead of me. Um, and and on the flip side, Randall Gritchick has uh, has struggled this week. So oh, oh he has. <laughs> so may, maybe the goal is to not be the player of the week. We'll have to see how that goes. We'll have to see how this week turns out for sure. But uh, yeah, you can have some issues with that one. That's for sure. Gritchick was not good in these series. Yikes. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, you're Yikes. absolutely right. Um, but so DB, who you got this week? So this week. I think I still got the obvious choice. Uh, but you know what? Even though we were talking about there is a lot of death picks for this this week, which if you list six guys, you're really not going to have a bad choice either way, right? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's If you're going with an offensive player, which you, you seem to be, uh, you, there's not a bad pick. But who specifically are you going with? I got to go with Vladdy. I got to go with Vladdy. Big, bl- bad Vladdy daddy. Yep, 29 at-bats in the last seven games, five runs, 10, he's got 10 homers. 10 homers overall. Or no, four home runs, yeah. 10 hits, sorry. Uh, ten, okay, 10 hits. I was going to say, he's got 10 homers ten overall hits. for the season. Yeah, four four, uh, four home runs, uh, eight RBIs, um, only has four strikeouts, average is up to 345 in these last seven games, o- OBP uh, 387, slugging 793. Yep. Numbers are looking good, Donnie. They're looking good, and he's been... He's yeah. been leading leading the team as their obviously their number one hitter all year and he's proven it. He's hitting homers in all these games and he's really been he's really been the the bell cow for the rest of these guys that they need to like hey Vladdy's Vladdy's pretty much keeping consistent. Yes, he's had a few slumps here and there of a of a where he went over four in a couple games, but normally he always seems to bounce back and he always hits a homer in there or some a big double or a big play to score runs. Vladdy's been excellent and uh, this last week he is my ring of excellence. He's my pick of the week. I think he's been the best Jay uh, overall offensively. I think it's got to go to Vladdy. Yeah, and uh, and I don't think uh, anyone would argue with you that that's been the good thing about Vladdy this year is he hasn't had a prolonged slump, like you said. He's gone over four, of course. All players, yeah, all players go over four. And I actually seen going into this game, he had actually reached base the most times. So that's reaching base is your on base percentage. It's your amount of uh, of hits plus walks. Um, so he had done it the most in the major leagues this week. So definitely not a bad pick. Um, Tay Oscar and uh, and Vladdy to a lesser degree definitely carried the uh, Brave series offensively. 
Uh, and then, of course, in the Philly series, um, Vlad hit hit a home run each game. Uh, and then, you know, Bo Bichette and, uh, and Marcus Simeon also played well throughout both series. And, I mean, you probably wouldn't get much of an argument if you talked about uh, Cavan and Lourdes, um, who play... Uh, Lourdes had a two-hit game in Atlanta, um, but uh, they both really turned it on the Philly series. Cavan got the day off today, or, you know, he could have padded his numbers a little bit more. Uh, but Lourdes still looked good. So, I mean, you couldn't really go wrong with any of those guys. Um, so, of course, I am going to uh, go with a pitcher. Uh, I'm going to go with Robbie Ray, who uh, started two, the only starter to start two games this week. He started the first game uh, in that, in the Atlanta series, and then, of course, he started today. Didn't look particularly good in either of them. Of course, his defense, his defense did let him down today. You know, there was a couple innings that were extended that shouldn't have been extended that caused his pitch count to go up. Maybe got him a little tired so that, you know, he did give up that second home run to number nine hitter, uh, Mayton, uh, before getting pulled um had they have played better behind him maybe we wouldn't have got to that point but i digress the main reason i'm picking robbie ray is because uh going into the season we talked about how robbie ray was you know gave up a lot of home runs gave up a lot of walks but struck out a lot of guys it just depends how he minimizes the damage um and he hasn't walked a guy for four starts until today um so he faced 119 straight batters without a walk uh i believe it they said it on the on the broadcast i believe it was about 30 some odd innings which was the fourth most technically um there was a tie uh for second between uh two players um so because robbie ray has seemingly cut the walks out of his uh out of his repertoire um that's deserving of a ring of excellence spot alone especially in a time where the jays are struggling to find consistency from their starters uh to see Robbie Ray step up and basically take the number two spot in this rotation is uh is great to see so Robbie Ray I salute you with my ring of excellence pick uh once again we're gonna throw those picks up on Twitter and Instagram so make sure you go and vote um and then hey while you're on the interwebs check out our sponsor at offend t city um, it's a launch cart store. Uh, the the ad is in the link is in the description, and we got a ten percent off code for you if you just use Dome Ten at checkout. You'll save not only save ten percent on your order, but you also help the show out a little bit. So get your orders in there. Again, the link will be in the show note. But it is offend hyphen t hyphen city dot launch cart dot store. So go there for all your offensive T-shirt needs. Well, what do you think, DB? Did we do it? Uh, we did it. It was a good episode with the Ring of Excellence. Again, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inside the Dome Pod. And uh, on Twitter, it's different. It's in the Dome Pod, right? It's it's the Dome Pod on Twitter. They wouldn't okay. let us have Inside added on because it was too long. And also, send us an email. We loved reading your emails about how handsome we sounded. Yeah. Or Inside the Dome Pod at gmail.com. We like getting those handsome emails. And hey, give us some notes. Tell us. Tell us how uh, awful we are and how rambly we are. Or how attractive we sound. And and Mad Mad Mike, I hope you're happy with the I Am 12 joke. Yes. So signing off, this one's for Mad Mike. I'm Donnie. This is DB. Thank you for listening to Inside the Dome Podcast. We'll see you next week. See ya. Do I just pop?